let us join in the call to worship. The prophet Zechariah said that the rising sun will come to dispel the dark night. In this season, we wait for the light to shine in the darkness. Zechariah also promised that God will guide the people into the path of peace. In this Advent season, we trust the promise of God's peace. We know the promise is true. Jesus is coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let us worship you.
In this Advent season, we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. Confident of that truth, we confess before God and one another those parts of our life that remain shadowed, even as we pray for God's strength to bring our whole lives into the light of God's truth and mercy. Let us pray. God of the future, you are coming in power to bring all nations under your rule. We confess that we have not expected your kingdom, for we live casual lives, ignoring your promised judgment. We accept lies as truth, exploit neighbors, abuse the earth, and refuse your justice and peace. In your mercy, forgive us. Grant us wisdom to welcome your way and to seek things that will endure when Christ comes to judge the world in love. Amen. lifted up, every mountain made low. Now the glory of the Lord is revealed, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Believe this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As Advent people expecting the new life found in Christ, our deepest acknowledgement of the good news is to experience the deep peace of Christ. We invite you attending this service online to share your presence with us during the passing of the peace with our virtual pew pad. You can use the QR code or the link below the screen. And for those of us in the sanctuary, please rise and share a sign of peace with one another. The peace of Christ be with you all. And also with you. this first Sunday of the new church year. I should say Happy New Year to all of us. 
Indeed, this is the first Sunday of Advent, and we light a candle as we prepare for the coming of the Christ child on Christmas. We welcome all of you in the sanctuary this day and those worshiping online, including those of you who are worshiping from Kansas City to Louisville, Kentucky, to Durham, to London, to Jerusalem, and all points in between. We are a magnificent community bound together by our love for Jesus Christ. If you have not taken time to fill out the online information form or pew pad in the sanctuary, I ask you now to reach one of, for one of those at the end of your pew, letting us know that you are worshiping with us this day. And for those of you online, we would love to know where you are joining us from this day. This morning, we will be celebrating the Sacrament of Holy Communion, and so we encourage those of you online to have bread and juice on hand so that you can share with us the supper that we share together. In this Advent season, we have many opportunities for you to take part in the life of this congregation. You will find our invitation to you in the second half on pages 8 through 11 of the Worship Bulletin. And I encourage you to take a few minutes today to explore the opportunities that are listed there. This includes a variety of Advent and Christmas opportunities, including this week's Christmas wishes and holiday gift bag projects, as well as Advent devotionals, resources, seasonal concerts, and special worship services. Our hearts brim with gratitude for the life of this congregation, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you this day. Now let us join our hearts in prayer. O oh God of our life, through all the circling years, we trust in you. Open our eyes that we may see the gifts of your bountiful light shining in so many places in our lives and startle us by your word this day that we might hear with keen attention your gracious and wondrous message in the reading of scripture. Through Christ we pray, amen. Our Psalter reading this day comes from Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Our second reading this morning comes from the 13th chapter of Mark's Gospel. We'll begin reading with verse 24. Let us give ear to to this reading that we might hear the whisper of God for us. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out his angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. But also when you see these things taking place, you will know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his own work, and commands the doorkeeper to keep, be on the watch. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight, or at cock crow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. For the first Sunday of Advent, the lectionary always tees up the second coming of Christ. This year, it's Mark's telling. We begin the Advent season with stories of trumpet blasting and Jesus riding the clouds and the world coming to an end. Merry Christmas. It was March of 1968. President Johnson surprised many when he stated, I will not seek nor will I accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. In 1796, President Washington said the same. He or his speechwriter Alexander Hamilton said it this way. Friends and fellow citizens, the period for a new election of a citizen to administer the executive government of the United States being not far distant And the time actually arrived when your thoughts must be employed in designating the person who is to be clothed with that important trust. It appears to me proper, especially as it may conduce to a more distinct expression of the public voice, that I should now apprise you of the resolution I have formed to decline being considered among the number of those out of whom a choice is to be made. See, same as Johnson. It's just nobody talks like George Washington anymore. And if you were to talk that way, people might think it a bit strange. 
However, to assume that Washington, with his strange way of speaking, has nothing to say, well, that would be quite foolish. And his address is actually read on the Senate floor every year marking the first president's birthday. In a favorite passage from King Lear, the king is unable to escape a rainstorm. The king was unaccustomed to inconvenience, but now being pelted with rain, it caused him to think of those for whom such an experience is commonplace. He reflected, poor naked wretches, wheresoe'er you are, that by the pelting of this pitiless storm, How shall your houseless head and unfed sides, your looped and windowed raggedness, defend you from seasons such as these? Oh, I have taken too little care of this. Nobody talks like that anymore. But to suggest that Shakespeare and his strange talk have nothing to say, well, that would be quite foolish, wouldn't it? The Gospel of Mark reads, But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be dark. The moon will not give its light. The stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send out his angels and gather the elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. But keep awake, for you do not know when he is coming. (laughs) Okay, I added the (laughs) heh But nobody talks like this anymore. This is apocalyptic language found not only in the Gospels, but also in Daniel, for example, and clearly all through Revelation. This language so comfortable in the mouths of the biblical writers sounds weird to us. Apocalyptic language uses bigger-than-life words to paint larger-than-life images to speak truths that are too immense for pedestrian vocabulary. It points to that which is true, that which has always been true, and the point is simple. Jesus is Lord. Even when all the evidence appears to the contrary, Jesus is Lord. To understand the meaning of these strange texts, we must first uh, consider what they don't say. Throughout history, there have been folks who have read these passages literally, pretending that it is some biblical code to be cracked. And when you do, you will know when it is that Jesus will ride the cumulus cloud back to earth. In the second century, there was a Christian named Montanus who read the scripture and was convinced that Jesus would return to a little village named Pepuza. It's in modern-day Turkey. Of course, Montanus was wrong, as Jesus did not return. His being wrong, however, has not deterred others from reading the text the same way. In the 1880s, followers of William Miller discerned that Jesus would return in 1884. People quit their jobs. 
I'm told some people got their suitcases and stood on their rooftops with their eyes cast heavenward. I don't know what they were going to do with the suitcases. 1885 came, but Jesus did not, not on clouds anyway. That didn't stop Tim LaHaye in the last 25 years from writing a series of books called Left Behind. They read a bit like Stephen King goes to Sunday school. There's a Left Behind movie and Left Behind t-shirts, and there's even a Left Behind board game, which I suppose gives you something to do just in case you are Left Behind. <laughs> This literal read turns a promise of good news into threat. It calls for a perpetual anxiety because Jesus is coming and you don't know when and you don't want to be caught lounging on the sofa watching reruns of Law and Order when the Son of Man shows up in your living room. So keep awake. But these are not words written to scare people that the world might end. No, they are written to people who are already afraid that the way the world is will never end. It is written to those on the bottom. Language of the apocalypse promises hope to the hopeless. This is not a text to teach us to discern when Jesus will return. It teaches us who to be when he hasn't. It urges us to trust that Jesus is Lord, even when all the evidence suggests the contrary. It's a prayer that after a long journey of life that brings suffering to all and for far too many brings little else but suffering, it is a prayer that the ways of Christ should be lived. The apocalyptic voice speaks with courage that love can be trusted even in this city, even in this world right now. It is not a prayer that the world end it is a prayer that the ways of the world change. Years ago, I got a sore throat, so I wandered into a Walgreens from some throat lozenges. I was looking over the option, who knew there were 300 different kinds of lozenges. Next to me, there was a man talking to the pharmacist. I wasn't eavesdropping, but he was speaking rather loudly. This was his part of the conversation. You know, Doc, those pills, they're mighty big. You think if I break one in half, that'll be enough medicine? I see. You know, my, my wife, she tells me I'm... I'm so forgetful these days, I'd forget my own name from time to time. If I forget to take a pill now and again, will that be all right? I understand. He said, you know, I got up this morning feeling a little bit better. I did. I, I, I think I might be getting better than I, than I was. I bet I don't need a whole month's worth. Could you tell me how much a week's worth would cost? Yes, sir. Thank you. I don't know if he was talking about antacid or heart medicine, but I understood what was going on. He was among those who surround us every day whom the economy has left behind, 
and he was trying to balance medicine and food, just trying to stay alive in a world that had forgotten him. I entered Walgreens warning some throat lozenges. I left warning Jesus to show up. Am I making any sense to you? If I understand the text, Tim LaHaye got it backwards. It is not that you should be afraid that Jesus will leave you behind. No, the promise of the gospel is that even when the world has left you behind, God will not. Christ will send his angels to gather us up from the ends of the earth and the ends of heaven. This is a promise spoken to everyone in an ICU unit. It is a promise spoken to every cold street corner that serves as a bedroom. It is a promise to every child who works the cocoa fields rather than going to school. It is spoken to every person whose heart is broken with grief. It is a promise to those who are searching for their loved ones kidnapped and for the thousands who are digging their loved ones out of Mideastern rubble. It is a promise to all whom the world has left behind that the love of Christ is coming and will leave no one behind. And that is why we join with our ancestors in praying, come Lord Jesus. Because Jesus is Lord, even in this city, even in this world, this very day, his lordship tells us who to be. We are living toward a humanity that we have never known, but a way of life that has always been true. Clarence Darrow, widely known defense attorney, was known for defending John Scopes at the Monkey Trial in Dayton, Tennessee in 1925. The year before that, right here in Chicago, he defended two young men, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb. They were two brilliant University of Chicago students who murdered a 14-year-old boy, Bobby Franks, just because they thought they were smart enough to get away with it. They weren't. Darrow defended them to make his case to end the death penalty. His closing argument was eight hours long, and you thought I preached long. <laughs> In his closing argument, this is what he said. I'm not going to give you all eight hours, just, just half of it. He said, your honor stands between the past and the future. You may hang these boys, but in doing so, you will turn your face to the past. I know the future stands with me. I am pleading for life. I am pleading that we overcome cruelty with kindness and hatred with love. I am pleading for the future, for a time when hatred and cruelty will not control the human heart, when we can learn by reason and judgment and understanding and faith that all life is worth saving and that mercy is the highest attribute. I am pleading for the future. And I know the future stands with me. 
This first Advent text does not tell us when Christ will come. It reminds us who to be until he does. For Jesus says the future stands with him. So we join the voices of the early church in pleading for that future. The promise of God is that in the end, even those whom the world has left behind are not lost. As the strange old language speaks it, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his children from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. God's is a love that leaves no one behind. That has always been true. So we join with the earliest Christians pleading, come Lord Jesus. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen. in stating what it is we believe together using our unison affirmation of faith. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, 
true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Amen. There is again a rose in the chancel signifying a change in the life of our church family. We learned of the death of David Mikowski on November 22nd. We also received word of Carl Gray, husband of former associate pastor Donna Gray, who died on Monday. A memorial service for Carl will take place on December 16th at 10.30 a.m at the First Congregational Church of Glen Ellen. We give thanks that the love of God will never let us go. If following the service you would desire to engage in a time of prayer, deacons will meet you in Stone Chapel, which is immediately out these doors on your right here in the sanctuary. This is the time in the service where we invite you to make an offering to support the ministry of Fourth Church and Chicago Lights. But today I want to take a few moments to share something important for our congregation. Uh, my immediate family, from time to time, we have what we call a family meeting. We gather to share and talk out things that are of importance to us. You can consider this today a church family meeting. I want to talk to you about something important, the budget. I want you to know where we are. In a few weeks, the session, those you have elected to be our leaders, they will meet and they will fulfill their responsibility to set a budget for 2024. If you have already made a pledge to the ministry of Fourth and Chicago Lights, I thank you. Nothing happens here without your practice of generosity. The task for the session, however, is difficult because our expenses exceed our sources of income. You may be thinking, I haven't heard anything about this. This must be because Tom R. has showed up. <laughs> Not really. Running a deficit has actually been the case for quite a few years. It wasn't much at first, but the unfunded expenses have grown, and for 2024, the gap is estimated to be almost $2 million. We are blessed that there are some, there are some resources the session has set aside to cover the gap, so we will pay our bills, but this practice is not something we can continue. Now, you may be thinking, well, the leaders of the church have not been careful. That's not true. From everything I have seen, there's been great care to be faithful stewards of the gifts given that you give to make the mission and ministry of forth a reality. 
At the same time, as your leaders look to the near future, we know some changes are coming. Unless generosity, which is already strong, unless it increases, there will be no choice but to make reductions in the ministry of this church in the coming years. This is the situation that we are in together, and it only feels right that you know the challenge that the session is facing. I also want to say, if you're in a position to help, your generosity is needed. If you can make a gift or an additional gift between now and year end, it will reduce the deficit for 2023. A pledge or an increased pledge for 2024 will put us in a stronger position to close the gap as we chart a course to seek to be faithful to all that God has called us to do while we also find our way to a balanced budget. We didn't get in this situation overnight and we're not gonna get out of it overnight, but your leaders are committed to getting out of it. We can't do what we need to do unless you know where we are. There have been better days for Fourth Church. There have no doubt been worse days for Fourth Church. These are our days. And this is the work that our church family has before us. And we wanted you to know. Here endeth the church family meeting. I thank you for all that you have done. I thank you for what you can and will do. And I am confident that God, who has been our help in ages past, remains our hope for years to come. Let us now live, give to God what we believe we should.
Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If those who hear my voice open the door, I will come into them and I will eat with them, and they with me. Friends, this is the Lord's table, and our Savior invites all of those who trust in him to share, to come and to share in this feast that he has prepared. The Lord be with you. And also, also with, with you. you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them, them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to God. It is right, right to give, give our, our thanks, thanks and, and praise. praise. Blessed are you, strong and faithful God. Blessed are you, God of every age and God of this moment. For you live beyond time and dwell beyond space, and yet you breathe time to life and you bless every space. And you, O promising God, have fashioned every moment with wonder and filled every human heart with meaning. For the witness of your creation declares your glory and the fruit of human labor and the joy of human love bears witness to your grace. So with joy, we join with angels in singing the timeless hymn of praise. Blessed are you, God of every age. With the saints and angels, we praise you, O Christ, for you are our help, our hope, and our home. For in you we see God has created us to be. You are our example, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And you are the glimpse of life that has, to, has come. When all has gone wrong, it will be made right, and all that is bruised will be comforted, and all that are sinful will be turned around and made right. And so we join with angels in singing the timeless hymn of praise. come again to your table, O Christ, not only is it here that we are fed, but it is here where we learn that for which we hunger, for we hunger for justice to roll down like waters, for swords to be beaten into plowshares, for the day to come when we will stop filling the children of this world with so much injury and destruction, 
for the day when all of your children will be treated as your children. So as we taste this bread and cup, may we be granted a taste of that day to come. Hear us now as we pray with heart and voice. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after that had supper, our Lord took the cup and pouring it out, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, in remembrance of me. He said, as long as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Come, the feast is ready.
not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us stand together and join in the prayer after communion. Let us pray. We have come to this table graced with symbols of your love, O God. Yours is a love that seeks us out and welcomes us home. We go from your table, blessed one, nourished and renewed for the journey of faith that awaits. Our song is one of joy, our hope is unfailing, our spirit is refreshed because you continue to lead us to your promised day. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.
As you go from this place, remember that this is true. It has always been true. You are loved. The love of God calls you by name. It is a love that will never leave you behind, a love that will never let you go. Let that love encourage, instruct, and inspire you to do the good that is yours to do, to share the love that is yours to share, and trust that God will use that to lead us to God's promised day. And now may the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of God's Spirit rest and abide with us all now and forever. Amen.